This is WPCast, the tactical podcast where we help you accelerate your business with WordPress. I'm Doug from PodWP, where we specialize in designing and hosting podcast websites. And I'm David from FatCat Apps, where we build WordPress plugins such as easy pricing tables and easy opt-ins that drive conversions. This week's episode, we've got Brad Tunar of Apply Filters and... Delicious w- Brains. Delicious Brains, WP Migrate DB Pro, Big Snow Tiny Conf, and other items <laughs> fame. So uh, how are you doing, Brad? Great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, it's great to have you. So we just mentioned all of the stuff you do, and you do a lot of stuff, by the way, but do you want to give us a bit of an overview? Like, what do your products do? What's your podcast about? How yeah. do you spend most of your time these days? Yeah, so... The podcast you mentioned, Apply Filters, is for developers mainly, WordPress developers specifically. And it aligns uh, perfectly with uh, my product, WP Migrate DB Pro, which is a WordPress plugin to migrate WordPress databases from one install to another. So that's basically what keeps me busy these days. Big Snow Tiny Conf is a conference for founders, for we call it like web-based business founders. Mm-hmm. And so we all get get together in a, a chalet in Vermont and talk business and go snowboarding during the day. So That sounds, that sounds really awesome. Yeah. yeah. You guys are more than welcome to join us, by the way. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe next year. Um, like I said, I still haven't made it even to the United States. But Yeah. Uh, you haven't seen a whole lot of snow uh, for a while, huh, no. David? <laughs> I think last time I went skiing was either three or four years ago. Quite miss it, actually. Yeah. Where was that? Austria. So I'm Austria. from Austria, so, so that's where I went skiing. But so I kind of like, so first of all, your podcast, I really like your podcast. Um, you and Pippin are doing a great job there. So I definitely oh, thank recommend, you, you know, yeah. to anybody listening to this, uh, definitely check out Apply Filters. But I also like how you were apparently pretty strategic in terms of the target audience of the podcast and the target audience of the products that you're selling. There's kind of an overlap there. Yeah. Not sure if we were as strategic when we started this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I think we were just uh, excited to get get going and didn't want to lose the momentum. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's we've we've done like some business episodes of Apply Filters just because our audience was asking for it. Like they wanted, you know, we both run WordPress-based businesses, and people want to know about those businesses, like certain things, like hiring and stuff. So we've done a few episodes on business and we plan to do more it's just we can't help ourselves to to talk about business the podcast is focused on wordpress development but it's just there's so much overlap because we're both business owners that it's just almost impossible to not talk about the businesses right so yeah yeah and i think it's also important for your listeners to know you know what you've been up to with your business you know kind of like uh preaching to the choir as they say there's people who talk about all this stuff you know you should be doing this and should be doing that but you want to hear about them actually applying it to their own businesses or you know having a business at least yeah well so every episode we decide to focus on some topic or two but to start the episode we always start out with what we've been working on and the feedback I've gotten from people is that's the part that they love to hear the most, like just what we're working on and, and digging into like the challenges that we mm-hmm. face and, and those types of things. I think people can really relate to those you know challenges that we face. And, and uh, I think that's why they like that. 
that part of the episode more than kind of the feature of the episode. Yeah, and I, to be honest, I'm, I'm the same way. Like, I that's the part of the other podcasts that I like the most to hear yeah. about what people have been up to. Yeah, but I was just gonna say the same thing. The, yeah. the narrative, I think, is uh, really beat you to it. Important. <laughs> <laughs> so, with your product, with WP Migrate Pro, your target customer there is it's somebody who is like a say like a freelance WordPress developer or. Yeah, freelance WordPress developers and also agencies that have like teams of developers or a team of developers. Usually they don't have multiple teams, but and just, you know, businesses in general. We've had um, even bigger businesses as customers like IBM and Thompson Reuters, Disney. So we've had some some pretty big brands using the product. The difference, though, there is I should I should qualify that we have people at those companies who have bought the product, mm-hmm. but not necessarily like we don't have like an enterprise deal with them where, you know, right. some kind of service level agreement or anything like that. I've been trying to figure out how we could do that, like transition those customers to to kind of enterprise customers. But the people in enterprise sales that I've talked to basically said it's impossible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because the, the, there's a huge disconnect between like the developers within that company and the people that are in charge of purchasing like large contracts and stuff. So it's yeah, it, it's still a foreign concept to me, like the whole enterprise yeah know, sales thing. I used to work in a company that did enterprise software, and you know the the sales cycle and how slow everything goes is just ridiculous. Right. You know purchasing cycles of months or years whereas you know most people they they need everything yesterday yeah yeah i mean how could you wait a year and a half for a product that's going to improve your productivity it seems like, <laughs> it just seems so counterintuitive you right. know like just get a credit card out and just pay for it you yeah. know just get today is kind of what my customers tend to do, right? So uh, speaking so. of uh, improving your productivity, I, I think one thing that both uh, Doug and I really like about your product and your sales page and the value proposition on there, it's all about how this is going to save you time. And you know, if, if it saves you two hours of time over the course of a year, the product has already paid for itself. So I think that value proposition makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I think for most people, you know, if you're a freelancer or agency and you're, you're migrating a database, you're probably going to have to do it multiple times. And speaking from experience, you know, it's a big pain. So yeah. those hours saved can really multiply. And it's also just the, you know, the stress being relieved of having to, to deal with it. Because, I mean, I know whenever I mess around with, you know, migrating a whole database or making major changes, I'm pretty worried that something's going to get broken. Right. Yeah. It's funny that that whole that thing where it says, you know, if you save, it saves you four hours, it pays for itself, that kind of thing. I came up with that because people were contacting us through support and asking, or through our sales email, mm-hmm. and asking, like, why it was so expensive. And I just did a little math for them. And then they said, oh, yeah, it makes total sense. And then they just <laughs> bought the product. Yeah. I realized maybe I should be putting this front and center. And I just realized now that I've kind of got it, it slid down on my pricing page to like the bottom Mm -hmm. where people may not even get to it. So I might have to, you know, bump that up a bit. I think it really resonates with people. So So you're really successful with uh, that product. And one of the things that you've been doing over 
the last year or so as the product has been successful is you've built up a team of developers and that's that's one of the things we want to talk to you about in this episode so you wrote a blog post and it was mostly about the benefits of hiring developers yes can you tell us a bit more about what for you personally were some of the main benefits because you're a really technical guy and you you know you really know what's going on like why did you hire somebody yeah so i initially hired someone because I had money and I didn't know what to do with it, uh, which, which, which I did, don't recommend. That's um, a good problem to have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was doing WP App Store, which was a separate venture a few years back. And I just received kind of the last round in an angel round of funding, which it wasn't a lot of money. It was $80,000 total, right? But it was money from people. And so I felt the pressure of like having to do something with it, you know, mm-hmm. that would push the business forward. And so that's what I decided. I need to hire somebody. So I just hired them for that reason, which is kind of a terrible reason, really. But, you know, that's kind of the, I don't know, the weird thing about money, right? It makes you do weird things, I guess. Um, yeah. So anyway, the kind of side effect that I realized of having an employee was that it allowed me to step away from the code. So I'm a developer. That's what I mainly do. That's what I've always done on my side projects. I've just, you know, hacked away at the code and the UI and just, you know, did the whole thing myself. But having an employee allowed me to step away from the code and really focus on the user experience and be that kind of, you know, that police you know police the user experience and and push the developer to go further to make the ex- user experience better where you know the developer generally good developers are lazy right they take shortcuts <laughs> yeah. that make sense and often at the expense of the user experience so and i'm guilty of this you know for sure so you know so I found this really that's interesting what I found. that you made this point because um that was actually one of the pieces of advice that a good friend and kind of mentor of mine gave me back a bit more than a year ago. So I just, at that time, I, I got somebody on board, a developer part-time to work for me. And I wasn't really sure if I should be doing it or should I keep doing everything myself. And that friend as well, he said the exact same thing. You're going to be compromising on the user experience because there's going to be certain things that are a lot more work to code. And you're just going to want to you know, take the shortcut and make it good enough instead of doing a really good Solution and I, I do think that that has made my products better having somebody else do the majority of the of the development work. Right. Have you noticed that you go a little faster as well than if you were just doing it yourself? Or I'm, it I'm not one hundred percent sure about that to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I found that with well, I hired a junior developer. I would call him at the time. He was junior. He's he's better now call them an intermediate now for sure or mm-hmm. senior all these things are fuzzy titles anyways but i think we went about the same speed as if i was doing it myself but the code quality was much higher because i was reviewing his code mm-hmm. and testing it so you know you had two people coding essentially so yeah. Yeah. code quality goes up your quality quality of the product will go up as well user experience goes up so i think in the end you end up going about the same speed but all the qualities are higher right that makes yeah. so that makes a lot of sense yeah so how did you go about finding your developer and do you have any advice for others so i posted on authentic jobs is pretty much i think i i received if i remember right 70 applications wow <laughs> 
and I was nowhere. I was not prepared to go through 70 applications. So what's, what's Authentic uh, Jobs, by the way? Oh, AuthenticJobs.com. It's a job board that uh, Cameron Mall set up mm-hmm. ages, of, you know, probably 10 years ago now. And it's just, it was popular when he set it up because he had a big following at the time. He's mm-hmm. a kind of a famous designer. Most, you know, many of your listeners probably know who Cameron Mall is. Anyway, that's a really great job board. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of others out there, though. Stack Overflow has a job board. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, it's very technical. And, and uh, there's a couple others, I'm sure. So um, you got 70 applications and you were probably slightly overwhelmed. Um, <laughs> what, 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 did you, what did you do next? Like, what, was, what was your process? I interviewed seven of them, just traditional interviews, because that's all I knew. So, mm-hmm. so the big difference here is that I was hiring a remote employee, right? I'd never done that before. I didn't know what to do. Uh, so I was really just drawing from my previous experience of hiring a developer for an office job, you know, to be in the office with me. And so I did a traditional Skype interview with, you know, questions that you would ask in a face-to-face interview. Mm-hmm. The funny thing about it, in, in the end, I realized that that was the bad way to go, I find, because I'm easily persuaded by things like charm <laughs> and <laughs> your your ability to make eye contact <laughs> like, and these and these these kinds of things over Skype, you know, a Skype video chat, which are not important in terms especially of, for developers. You know, or, the best, the best yeah. developers might not be able to, to hold eye contact. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, but they might be awesome at I aming, right? Like yeah. I am chat, mm. right? I, so now, nowadays, I only do interviews uh, via I am, hmm. so that it doesn't like kind of persuade me in the like it doesn't add weight to the wrong things, right? It, That's only because I don't trust myself. You know, yeah. me, you know, other people might be better interviewers than I, and they can kind of separate the the things out, but I can't. I, I put weight on things that I shouldn't be putting yeah. weight on. So it's it's interesting that you mentioned that because. Uh, just uh, earlier today, I was talking with a friend who was interviewing some developers, and two of the people he interviewed basically refused to have a, a voice chat with him. Huh. <laughs> they, you know, after, they applied, and, and uh, when he got to the point of actually wanting to talk to them, they just flat out refused. So that, that's, that's, that's a little for, bizarre. That was uh, that was interesting. Yeah. I don't like refuse. Like, if yeah. someone really does want to have a, a like a voice chat or a video chat, like I'm, I'm like, okay, fine, right? But I I really try not to put weight on what what goes on there. It's and it's usually just like a meet and greet kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. I don't ask yeah. them like interview questions or anything like that. So. so after the interview, do you have them do some kind of test project? So in the that first hiring process, I chose one of those seven from the interview. Uh, the interviews that I did, and then I gave them a independent test project, so that they went off on their own and and kind of did some coding, and then brought back a zip and gave it to me, and, and then I checked it out, and I really took a really close look at the code and stuff mm-hmm. like that. What I found was that was a huge mistake. Really? Yeah. The reason is because sending them off on their own didn't. You mean? I mean, I missed so much. Like with their thought process, like and problem solving, and like you d- yeah. there's no insight into what's happening in their head and and the decisions they're making while they're coding, mm-hmm. and there's no communication happening while they're coding, and so it was, yeah. So nowadays, what I do is I just give them 
access to our our current code base and our current issues. And I say, you know, communication with the team is paramount. We really want to see you talking, you know, taking part in discussions, debates that we're having on GitHub and, and those types of things. And I think that's been a huge improvement over like an independent project that's kind of isolated. So interesting. I would. What do you do, David? I'm curious. So, so far, I've been giving them test projects and the exact same thing that you just said before you had the revelation of, you know, they would just kind of like go off on their own and then come back with the project. And I think actually in a blog post on my site, I even have a link to the instructions. I think that's another issue. Another mistake I've made is the instructions for the test project are really simple. So it's literally like a, like a really small plugin that lets you generate a bunch of buttons and stuff like that with a short code. So it's really not... Right. Um, one thing that I found, I think it's not enough. It's just not de- it's it's not in depth and complicated enough to really differentiate between good and bad developers because it's such a simple project. Right. I think that was a big problem with the independent project that I gave first employee as well. It didn't really represent the complexity of what he would be working on after that. And so, with diving right into our current product, like it's a perfect representation of what they'll be working on afterwards. So it's kind of a sink or swim kind of deal right <laughs> yeah that makes sense by the way can you tell us roughly how much you're paying your developers right now or how much are you paying you know the, like the, the junior developer like the guy that you first hired roughly since it yeah. is remote is he like in the US or is he is he somewhere uh, like in Asia or uh, Eastern Europe yeah so salaries are, are tricky because right so my job posting I, I leave wide open so basically if you want a 32 hour work week so you know four days a week instead of five days a week that's cool we could do that mm-hmm. but you you're going to get paid less <laughs> right <laughs> so your salary wouldn't be as high maybe you want you know a ton of vacation time that's cool too we could do that but you know your salary is going to reflect that so i leave it wide open so but if you boil it down to like an hourly rate it would probably be around fifty-five dollars mm-hmm. an hour. Would probably be for a full-time position. Yep. Um, okay. So, which is, it seems low because if you if you know you get a good developer on contract, you know you could be paying closer to a hundred. Right? right. Yeah. But there's a lot of things you have to take into consideration there, right? Like the stability of a full-time job where you're mm-hmm. getting like a set number of hours every week. Versus if you're a contractor, you may go a week with no work, you know, or, right. you know, the work is very up and down, right? So, yeah, it's, a, makes sense. it's a different different beast, I think. But, yeah. 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 And uh, by the way, how many developers do you have right now working with you? We have three full-time. So we just hired cool. another full-time, when was it, last week. And we have three on trial right now to go full-time as well so growing pretty quickly about six uh, so in october we had three developers and then one left and we're down to two so we're on track to double our size this year uh, if not triple it so where are your developers located are they in the u.s or at least similar time zones nope (laughs) (laughs) they're in uh new zealand the UK, it's a, two guys in the UK actually, okay. and and then I'm myself. I'm in Canada, in uh, Nova Scotia, Canada. So we're yeah, we're all over the place. The advantage there, so there's disadvantages and advantages to that. So the okay. disadvantage is that 
obviously you're not online at the same time unless you know the guy in New Zealand is some kind of vampire or something <laughs> which he's not so you know when I'm logging off for the day he's coming on there's like a one hour overlap or something right that's a di- the disadvantages there are obvious right communication is a little slower and, and things you know you gotta wait for them to come online to get a response for things so the advantage though is support is, is 24 hours right yeah we cover the clock Monday to Friday oh yeah that's great so that's a and that's a pretty huge advantage for our customers because our customers are worldwide. You know, we have customers in New Zealand, Australia, Southeast Asia, you know, all over the map. And so it's it's nice to be able to cover that clock. So they're they're not waiting eight hours to get a response. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yep. So one yeah. thing that I'm really curious about is uh, with all those developers, um, so how how do you manage them? I think you mentioned GitHub and GitHub issues. So, is that like how you how do you have like a Trello board and you know I think you mentioned code reviews and sending mockups and stuff like that like what does your process look like um, yeah so we mainly use for development we mainly use Trello to keep track of yep. priorities like I have a Trello card for for each developer and just it's kind of like a high level view this is the project they're working on just so they each know what each other are are, are working on we've used slack for kind of real-time communication and announcements. Basically, Slack is a replacement for email. So, you know, yeah. we yeah. barely both of us use it. Yeah, we both use it. So It's oh, great. Yeah. It's, great. it's yeah. become a staple, I think. Well, it's like a billion-dollar valuation now, isn't it? Like that, that company, yeah. Slack. <laughs> it's, it's bananas. I don't, and there's so many, you know, other ones that were first, and then Slack comes along and just explodes. I, I, don't, I don't even understand it. <laughs> I don't know how that works. <laughs> Because I was a hip chat. Yeah, hip yeah, chat yeah. was out. I guess yeah. it's, you know. I guess it's still around, but I would, Slack's probably more popular. Yeah, now, right. I oh, it's, yeah. I used to use hip chat. Then I saw that you know Slack. It's like, well, that's pretty much the same thing. But everybody else is using Slack, so I'm just gonna switch. <laughs> <laughs> it was like more fashionable or something. Yeah, actually, the one the one thing I found as a main difference is that Slack integrations were a lot easier to set up. Than HipChat. Yeah, I think they have more integrations, and I think the free plan is just much more generous. And I think maybe yeah. that's that's also why a lot of people like us are getting <laughs> on board. You know, I'm still uh, not paying anything. I've, I'm a heavy Slack user, but I'm still on the free plan. At uh, Big Snow Tiny Conf last week, we were joking about this actually about Slack and like how it became so big and how HipChat is made by Atlassian. Right? Yeah, they're a big company, and they cater mostly to enterprise, right? Like Bitbucket is their like GitHub, right? But yep. Bitbucket was around before GitHub. So like, oh really? We were joking. Like, just look at what Alassian is doing next, and just do a SaaS that, that <laughs> and, and you you'll knock one out of the park, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> it's not a bad idea, I, I think. But I don't think I'll be doing that anytime soon. But yeah. So back uh, to the project management for for a second. So so you've got like a high level overview in Trello, and you said you're using Slack for real time communication. Right. And and GitHub is the other big piece there. Yep. We do probably you know a huge percentage, probably like sixty seventy percent of our communication happens on GitHub. We, you know we will post an issue and then debate it, and then once we decide on an implementation, the developer will go ahead, code it up and open a pull request and then another developer will review the code oh, okay. and and then test it and then 
if it's all good, well, if it's not all good, they'll send it back, basically provide some comments, like right on the line that's the problem, they'll, they'll add a comment there. GitHub's really great for giving feedback on code. Mm-hmm. And then just uh, once it's good, you know, we roll it into the main branch and then rinse and repeat kind of thing. Just keep going until we knock out. Then we have milestones, you know, yep. for each. So each kind of group of, of issues or, or tickets are, are grouped into a milestone. And then that milestone represents a, a release. So then once all the issues are done, then we push out a release. Yeah, sounds, so. sounds kind of similar to the uh, Git flow workflow. I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with that one. Yes, yes. Yeah. You know, we're always kind of tweaking things, though. Like, I think we started with something that resembled Gitflow, and it's kind of changed a bit. Yeah. We, you know, we don't use, like, Gitflow comes with a tool I think you can use to do, to implement that process. And we don't, we just, we've never adopted that because it locks us in to that process. And yep. we may, may need to make modifications to it. And we have made for example, we recently brought all of our add-ons. So we have a core plugin and then add-ons for it, which are other plugins. And we had a repo for each of those, and it was a nightmare to manage because you had like a separate GitHub repo, so separate issue boards for each one, and there was a ton of overlap. Yeah. Hmm. So so you had these pull requests. So like, so you'd have like for one issue, you'd have like pull requests across like three or four of these git repos and it was just unmanageable so we've brought it all under one into one repo and it, it's funny i've been telling people about this developers and they just look at me like i have two heads they're like what that's crazy <laughs> <laughs> and because it, it is it sounds pretty radical right <laughs> but it, it works for us like we are so much happier right now. It's unbelievable. Like our development has, it's so much more manageable for us. We're very, very happy with right now about that. So on a related note, how do you handle support? And are your developers the ones that handle it? Or I guess, how do you, how do you keep that organized? We started out using Gmail, actually, uh, when there was only myself and one other developer. Because what, why do you need anything else, right? It, it worked fine for us just using Gmail. And then we've transitioned to Help Scout once we brought another developer on board because Gmail becomes completely unmanageable yeah. as soon as you have more than two people. And Help Scout has been excellent. Absolutely no complaints about Help Scout. It's just been fantastic. You've probably heard this before from other people. They just do a really good job. I'm a big fan. I, I use it for uh, for my business. Right. Yeah. It's it's just uh, you know it just gets the job done and stays out of your way. That's what I like about it. Like I find a lot of systems like that are just clunky and they're just they tr- they try to do too much and they end up getting in, in your way and mm. it's just I just I, yeah helps go. It's great. And then uh, we've we only get like you know between probably on average twelve tickets a day. Mm-hmm. So we don't have huge volume, so we just spread that out over the developers we have that do develop, you know. And and the advantage there, actually, is that the developers, you know, having the developers doing support, they realize what the problems are, mm-hmm. and they file issues in GitHub for them, and then we discuss them. If you had someone kind of a, what is it, like a tier four or 
whatever <laughs> tier is is the bad tier of support. <laughs> 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 if you had that a very kind of non-technical person doing support, you wouldn't get that right necessarily. It, it would be harder for them to identify the problem, yeah, and kind of you know log it and then get it dealt with, you know. So that's that's the big advantage of having developers doing support. If our support load, you know, I've talked to people that do themes and their support mm-hmm. load's insane. If they get like 100 tickets a day and I'm just like, "What? How does that even how does that work?" <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably one of the advantages of having a product, you know, aimed at higher level uh customers, people, freelancers and agencies that have that experience so you're not, you know, answering really basic questions. You know how to install a plugin and stuff like that. Exactly. I get yeah, a bunch actually, of those, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we tend to fire those customers. Actually, we we just say the, oh, really? the product's not really right for you because that's not who it's designed for, right? You know, if you can't install a WordPress yeah. plugin, you're not going to be able to use this plugin. It's just too. Yeah. It's just not. You really should be hiring someone at this point. You know. So so um, you, you tell them that, and then you uh, you know you send them a refund, and you know. Yeah. Uh, pretty much interesting yeah. I, I really like that approach actually I, you should maybe consider that yeah for most of probably it. saves you a huge headache going forward <laughs> so, because sometimes you know it is the case where most customers never submit the ticket and some customers they submit you know one or two tickets but then there's just some people who there have been like 30 emails been going you know back and forth and they just always something Something happens right. there. I'm definitely losing money on supporting them at this point. You know, it's costing me more money to support them than, than I ever made from them buying the product. So that's actually a really interesting policy. Do you ever get people like being angry or unhappy, you know, when you fire them? Not really. They're usually, it almost seems like they're relieved in a lot of cases yeah. <laughs> because I think they, they just didn't realize like what it took to use the product or they were maybe. Maybe they didn't understand like what the product mm-hmm. did for them, or in any case, like we're not in the business of training people on WordPress, right? right. That's the bottom line. <laughs> like, yeah. And I don't think, I mean, if you're selling themes, I mean, I don't think you should be doing that either. In my opinion, like you shouldn't be telling, you know, teaching people how to install a theme. Like that's just that seems like above and beyond for for that kind of a product. Like. You should really be pointing those people to like WordPress.com or something, you know, where where they can just click a button and install a theme. So I, I don't know. That's just my philosophy. I'm sure others have a different point of view, but yeah, that, that makes sense. So listen, Brad, that was really really good. I think that was an awesome episode, and you shared a lot of stuff that I think that's going to be valuable to me personally in my business. So uh, thanks so much. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. Before we uh, close up, do you want to just mention where people can find you online? Yeah. Yep. So I'm on Twitter, Twitter slash Brad T, T as in tuna. And we'll um, link that up in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that pretty much, that's, I kind of use that as a hub. You can pretty much get to anywhere else of my stuff from there. So Cool. And this obviously apply uh, filters, the podcast. That's applyfilters.fm, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And WP Migrate DB Pro. And so, yeah, we'll link up to all this in the show notes. Awesome. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. You can go to wpcast.fm to download our WordPress toolbox, which contains our 50 favorite tools. We'll see you next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.